Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. LMFM Sunday Sport. With thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere you go. Right, thanks so much for, for taking the time. Um, I was thinking about this during the week and I was prompted to remember a league semi-final doubleheader in Croke Park. I think it was 1992 or 93. Dublin and, and Dublin, Tyrone, Derry and Mead were the four teams. I can't remember what way it was paired off, but the two Leinster teams were playing the two Ulster teams. And I remember at one stage in the old Hogan stand seeing that, uh, I think it was a Derry fan maybe, but somebody with a big bell in their hand chasing uh, another, another supporter around the, the Hogan stand. That was my first introduction to, to Ulster supporters. I'd never never been in a game before involving Ulster teams, so certainly made an impression on me. But all joking aside, the rivalry between Derry and Tyrone, it's it's probably unique maybe in the country. I know we, we can talk about, you know, Mead and Dublin when they had a rivalry, Kerry and Dublin, obviously, Kerry, Cork, whatever. But talk to us a little bit about that rivalry between Derry and uh, and Tyrone. Yeah, look, it's, it's a strong rivalry in lots of parts of the county. I suppose for Tyrone, Possibly less so in the Tyrone have so many rivalries. Uh you know, geographically they're they're slap bang in the middle of Ulster there. Like for for parts up uh, you know, up around Straban, their rivalry is Donegal. For you go down to Trillick and the likes of the Donnellys and those boys, like those boys went to school in Fermanagh and St. Michael's Enniskillnick and because they're they're right on the Fermanagh border, you go to the Moy and Philip Jordan and John Gavin and their rivalries are Ma. Mm. <laughs> you go you go you know, you go to Ahalu and they're on the border in Ochnacloy and their rivalry is Monaghan. So, Tyrone have tentacles everywhere in Ulster and they have so many rivalries. But along the Loch Shore and in parts like Arbo and Murtown and Derry Lachlan, it is Derry. And and the fierceness of that rivalry was severe at, at times. I suppose when, you know, particularly probably at its height in the in the early mid nineties, when when everything was at its height, probably in Ulster football for a while, and um, you know Derry and Tyrone would have both then been obviously Derry won the All Ireland ninety three, were round that one national league titles, had big wins over Tyrone in the early part of the nineties, mm. and and then obviously the, the Derry thing, they won the All Ireland thirty years ago, it sacked Eamon Coleman in ninety four, and then Tyrone with thirteen men beat Derry in ninety five, which you know was a result that they still take. Great pleasure out of, um, and then beat Derry again, beat them well in '96 in the championship. And you know, I was pro- I was too young for to to really remember those games, but the stories of them are are of how vitriolic almost it was in the crowd. Um, it was really really intense, hot stuff, and it was it was very much at its peak at that stage. And the, 
you know, along that lock shore, you know, uh, you know, our bow and ball area are just down the road from each other. Um, on on you know, I suppose half a ball area is in County Tyrone. Um, it's the the river, half the village is in Tyrone, but the pitch is in Derry. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's how that's how intense and how close it is. And for those people, uh, that is their rivalry, and it's still it will always be massive. Yeah, and and what what sort of reaction was there then? I mean. I was trying to think to, to something comparable. I, I always go back, and this is a, a many, many years ago now before we had the, the constant churn of, of transfer activity and transfer room. I always remember the news breaking of Andy Cole moving to moving to Manchester United from Newcastle back in the in the mid-90s, coming out of school and hearing this news. And it was like the biggest shock, you know, it was an unbelievable surprise. Came out of nowhere. This, very much the same, there was no suggestion at all that Mickey Hart was going to move anywhere. There was no rumour. We know last year, for example... There was talk that he was going to take a club job, that he was going to leave Louds. That kind of went away. But this sort of came out of the, out of the blue completely and it caught everybody by surprise, I think. Um, what was your reaction initially when you heard it? Huh. It was so left field. Um, obviously, there was a few names flying about. Derry, the first one, being Malachi O'Rourke, I think was obviously offered the job and, and turned it down. But Malachi... Was was the kind of the only name that people were were really seriously considering or talking about. The other names that were being floated were Jim Gavin, James Horn, fellas whose names are thrown about all the time. But realistically, you, you never felt that either of those was was possible. And I suppose the reason that Mickey was never mentioned was because he was in a job in Louth, and you know the time of year that it is, the middle of September. You know, there'd be no definitive word either way, but I suppose in the aftermath, you discover that, you know, Loud had obviously been making and, and started very strong plans for, for next year and that they were they were full steam ahead with, with Mickey and Horse. So I suppose the reaction, you know, I was doing it, I was on the phone um, doing an interview at, at about six o'clock on, on Monday evening and I got a text through. I said, you know, Mickey Hart's going to be announced the new dairy manager tonight. And I, I, I sort of stopped me in my tracks and I laughed. And I told the, the the fellow I was on the phone to, I was like, "You'll never, you'll never guess this one." Somebody's just texted me, Mickey Hart is is going to be the new dairy manager. There's some stories flying about, like, <laughs> yeah. and I laughed and sort of dismissed it initially. And then came off one, rang a couple of men, and it turned out it sort of very quickly that God, there's something in this, like, and then you know, obviously the live players, I think, got the shock of their lives. You know, the, the it obviously came at them very suddenly because it came at everybody very suddenly. Like it was a matter of, you know, hours really from from Derry approaching Mickey Hart to to Hart sort of deciding that they would go. It wasn't uh, there weren't days or weeks of deliberations. Like so, it was all, and that I think that was part of why it came so left field and, and blindsided everybody because it was conducted so quickly. Yeah. In the background, and that and that meant that you know, from from hearing it at six o'clock on Monday evening to sort of the live players then meeting Peter Fitzpatrick quarter past seven, it was it was uh, you know that's not a big time frame, and that was all happening very very quickly then. It was very good of um of Lowe's on their Twitter account to announce uh, the Derry, the new Derry manager as well while they were at it. I thought that was a nice little uh, little aside from the from the PRO or whoever put that tweet up, but. It, it happened so quickly, as you said. Um, and I think there was a, a huge amount of shock. Obviously, it came out of nowhere. But do you think, for example, could Mickey Hart have left Tyrone and gone straight to the Derry job? Do you think that would have been a bridge too far? Because he's been away from Tyrone for a couple of years now. He's done the loud thing. 
now he's going to Derry. If he had gone directly from Tyrone to Derry, would that have been would that have been something that could have happened? Do you think, or would that have been a little bit too much of a stretch in terms of going direct? It was probably a whole lot less likely to happen. All right, um, it it would feel it would feel like a bit of a stretch. Even though, again, go back to the, the rivalry thing. Um, you know, Mickey's rivalry as a player with Tyrone was was predominantly Donegal at that time. Um, as a manager, the first half of his tenure was Armagh, and the second half was Donegal. Um, so, uh, you know, and geographically, Ballygolly, I mean, they wouldn't be wouldn't be particularly close to Derry. Wouldn't have a huge rivalry with Derry football. So, again, there's that side of it from from his perspective that maybe he doesn't view Derry as as ever having been his primary rivals during his during his time in Tyrone. But that doesn't change the fact that for a lot of Tyrone people. Yeah, it is, and I suppose everybody's had a good, you know, a good laugh at Owen Mulligan's <laughs> tweets during during the yeah. last few days. Like, but for you know that that reflects it. You know, Owen Mulligan's cooks down there, like on the, you know, you drive. I mean, half the boys in Listen Club and in Derry are on the on the Cookstown side of the border again. Like they're you know, and and Ogre Colin Kill as well. These two clubs right on the on the Cookstown border, and and then you have obviously ones from Cookstown. So. <laughs> you know that's a really really strong rival for him and you know he laughed about or I don't even know if he was laughing you know saying about Mickey Hart going to Rangers yeah I don't but think he him, was I don't think he was no, but for him that's how it is you know it's a really really strong intense feeling of of hatred for Derry so and and that exists on the other side as well so what I don't think you would have seen Mickey um, go straight from from Toronto to Derry but I suppose from the manner in which he went into Louth and how quickly that happened as well. You know, there was the indication that he was obviously very, very keen to continue and get back in the inter-county football as quickly as possible. Had Derry, had, you know, had the timing been right, had Derry approached them, had he been available, had they been the first people to call him, you, you don't know, maybe maybe he would have, but, but it does, it's, it's, it's probably a lot softer now because he's been out of Tyrone for three years. But then, I suppose he's synonymous with Tyrone at this county, he played for them. He managed them for almost twenty years. So, as much as he did three years in Louth, I don't think anybody sees him as anything other than a Tyrone man. Yeah, and and what you said there about Owen Mulligan's reaction and the the, the Tyrone supporters. I, I read one of your colleagues' pieces earlier on in the Irish News, uh, Brendan Crossan, and it was more or less kind of like you know what's the big deal? There are more important things going on in the world than than a, a fellow going to manage a neighbouring county, which is obviously true, and we always need to keep these things in perspective. And Mickey Hart has obviously had some some very serious uh, and sad things happen in his life as well. So this probably doesn't feel like a whole a whole lot of a big deal to him either. But the reaction from the Tyrone people and Tyrone supporters, we talked about Owen Mulligan there, as we said. But would there be any, I mean, Mickey Hart has got such a bank of goodwill built up in Tyrone over the years for what he's done for them. So would there be a, a lot of annoyance for, among Tyrone supporters, do you, do you think? Or would most people be fairly accepting after the initial shock has worn off? That was probably depends on who you talk to. Like they're probably, I would imagine there are people really annoyed, um, because again of that geographical thing for a lot of people that just not dairy, like you know yeah. anywhere anywhere else but dairy, and and so you know there probably will be a lot of people even you know even around here. I'm obviously in dairy. I'm in, I, I'm living in Balahi, which is on the Antrim border, but we're only a five miles from, from sort of Balmawigan and, and out that direction, Newbridge. So you're not far from Tyrone either. And, you know, you're running into people here who would who would feel it more strongly. And, and you're talking to people as well. And 
there's an there's an element here as well of just not Mickey Hart, you know, because yeah. he's so synonymous with throwing. Even though, and that's I suppose people that that are looking at the individual as opposed to the manager, and and what he can what he can bring to to football, and it's understandable. Obviously, the tribalism and the parochialism of of the thing is is still very strong, but. Uh, there will undoubtedly be people in Tyrone who who are annoyed and angry and really wish he hadn't gone to Derry. And equally, there are people in Derry who think it's completely the wrong thing to have such an ardent Tyrone man mm-hmm. managing managing the Derry team. But all that will probably soften in Derry if he is successful, and it'll probably only harden in Tyrone if he's successful. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And it'll be uh, if they start winning matches and winning Ulsters and, and maybe that elusive All-Ireland as well. But I suppose just on that subject... um. Loud while he was over there. Now, they did progress, but I, I know from speaking to a few Loud supporters over the years, the Cork game away last year in the All-Ireland Championship, they said was one of the worst performances in terms of a style of football that they'd ever seen. Now, clearly it's horses for courses and, and managers will tweak tactics depending on the game and the opponent and everything else. And Loud certainly could set up defensively, but they had plenty of attacking flares to show this year as well. But in terms of the style of football that Mickey Hart has been playing for the last few years, do you think that's a good fit? Because that Derry team... Again, like all top teams, very set, very well set up defensively, but would just bomb forward in huge numbers as well over the last few years. So do you think it's a good fit in terms of the footballing philosophy, for you want a better expression? Yeah, look, I, I suppose during the week I would have described Louth as, as kind of dairy light over the last few years in that there are a lot of similarities in the way that they've set up and played Tactically, um, I think with, with with all due respect, probably Louth just didn't have the the same quality of personnel. Their shape and their structure and some of some of what they were doing was very very similar. Mm. Um, Derry just probably had slightly better players, and and were a wee bit further down the road in terms of doing it. There's a couple of major differences, and one that'll be interesting is obviously Derry have have used the, the Oren Lynch as as coming out as goalkeeper. Really effectively and really well under under Rory Gallagher and Kieran Mina in the last few years, and 
you know, Mickey was never that keen on his goalkeepers having I know James Calf would have played out and on kickouts and, and would have small bits of involvement, but yeah. not to the same extent of an Orrin Lynch or or, you know, a Rory Began that Derry would have had and those those kind of things are the, are the differences, but there's there's an awful lot of similarities. They can you know, I suppose a lot of the focus and naturally enough, uh, is on is on Mickey. But for, for Derry, you know, Gavin Devlin is absolutely huge because he he's obviously been such a factor in in Louth. I mean, you speak to the Louth lads and they just adore our adored horse in terms of how how tactically aware and how tuned in he was and how good he was on the analysis side, how good he was on the training field. He was he was absolutely brilliant. The Derry fellas would have a great knowledge of him, particularly the Slatnail boys. He he worked there for a few years under Paul Bradley and and would have re- really close links. He is Chrissy McKay again coaching with him at the minute in Arbo, where he's managing and again, you know, Arbo and Ballandary, you know, Arbo's on the Loch Shore, right on on the on the border. So for Gavin Devlin, that is his rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's a huge step for him. But you know, Horse has uh, has been a massive factor in in Mickey's success over the last few years, and is 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 widely regarded as as probably one of the best coaches in the country, and will be a massive addition as well. So I think that I I don't honestly see that Mickey and Horse will change an awful lot. They will they will make tweaks and they will do things their own way, but to the naked eye. There'll probably be a fair bit said, you know, you'll you'll get the stuff then in the early part of the year about Derry being more defensive or this or that. And I don't know, I think the naked eye might tell lazy and that I think Derry will probably play very, very similar to what they have been playing. And that's very similar to what Louth had been playing in the vast majority of their games. You know, obviously a couple of the televised games that Louth were in didn't really reflect the way that Louth played because they probably gave it a cut in the in a couple of them, you know, particularly yeah. the Leinster final, like where they, you know, they played in a in a way that was very unlike themselves, mm. and that was, I suppose, the country's looking at them, and that's all they see. They, you know, you don't see much of Louth on TV, or you don't get the, if you're not from Louth, you don't see much of them. Like whereas yeah. I just happened to have watched, I was doing a piece on them, uh, on last year, and I, I happened to watch a right bit of their their league campaign, like, and it was, you know, they're they're not unlike Derry, so. I don't see an awful lot of tactical difference coming down the tracks. Mm-hmm. No, that's an interesting one, all right. Um, so it sounds like it will be a decent enough fit. The other thing, and I was reading your piece here, looking back, it's 30 years, hard to believe, since um, Derry won that All-Ireland in 1993 against Cork. Um, you talked about Eamon Coleman sacking, you mentioned it earlier on as well, and you know how things kind of fell apart a little bit for Derry. And... Again, I was, I was thinking about this myself during the week. I didn't have the, the age profile of that Derry team to hand, but I kind of felt like there weren't, there's not too many of them are in their first flush of youth or straight out of the, straight out of minor into the, into the senior team. So you might talk to us a little bit about that because it feels like, and you allude to it in that, in that piece you wrote earlier this week, that, you know, if once Kieran Meenan was gone, we know what happened with Rory Galler. He was out of the picture as well. There weren't that many. Malachy O'Rourke didn't seem to want to take it. There weren't that many really experienced options around. It didn't seem so. It would, it would either have been maybe taking a punt on a club manager who's who's shown some promise, or going for the experienced uh, option, and that's what they've done in Mickey Hart. Because, as you said in your piece there, and I'm looking at it here, Brendan Rodgers, Connor Glass, Garth McInnes, Kieran McFall, heading into their peak years. So, was there a fear? Do you think that Tyrone had to go, or sorry, Derry had to go for somebody 
with experience and not maybe run the risk of taking on somebody who hadn't managed at this level before. And perhaps, as you mentioned, they're wasting the talent that they have because time is short. Years go by very quickly. And there you don't want to be looking back in three or four years time, wondering how they didn't get, get an All-Ireland or get to an All-Ireland final at least. So that's the kind of the pressure, I guess, the county board was under to get that appointment and to get somebody with experience who the players can get can row in behind. Oh, it was a, it was a, an enormously important appointment for Derry. Like the, I mean, the the thing about Mickey was that, like my my feeling on it, looking at it objectively and looking at it from a football perspective, it was it was the absolute best that Derry could have done in in the situation that they were left in, because Malachy would have been first choice. Malachy didn't want to do it, and and because of the you know because of the long delay, it was fifty. 57 days from the Kerry game until Kieran Mina ruled himself out on the Monday the night after Ulster Council had released a statement saying that Rory Gallagher was debarred from the association temporarily and it left them right Malachy doesn't want it Kieran Mina doesn't want it we can't put Rory Gallagher and where do we turn here and and there were no obvious solutions to that mm. I mean, Mickey Hart wasn't an obvious solution because he was in a job and that that was where the blindside nature of it Man, but had Mickey said no, you know, you're looking at it and thinking, my God, where do we actually turn here for a team that I don't know? Would you say they're on the cusp of an All Ireland? Possibly not, but they were certainly on the cusp of an All Ireland final. Yeah, this year that was that was probably very winnable. So they're they're certainly in the conversation. They're they're in the small bracket of teams that could win an All Ireland at, at the very least. Um, and for them, it was enormously important because. As you say, you, you know, you can't afford with a team like that to waste two or three years. And some, you know, even if you waste two years, you might never get the momentum back. Yeah. Um, the like of Brett and Rogers, Connor Glass, those boys are they're they're a critical stage of their career now where they have the potential to win an All Ireland. And in three years' time, you know, they might not. And there'll be other players coming through, like Derry have played in seven of the last nine Ulster Minor finals. They've won two of the last four minor All Irelands. So, you know, there there's a wee bit there's definitely a bit coming there, but in terms of the age profile, probably not not hugely dissimilar. You know, ninety three would have been a, a mix and match. You you had fellas who'd been about a long time, and then you know you had the 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 influence of two two really good minor teams uh, in eighty three and eighty nine. You know, and you know you led the likes of Gary Coleman, Anthony Towell, Dermot Heaney were in the were in the eighty nine team. And then you, Damien McCusker was in the 83 team. You call him a girl, could have been a sub, was in the 83 team. Um, Danny Quinn, and the Gormley, 83. So, you know, there was it was a collection of teams that were just, they had the, they had the perfect blend of, you know, Anthony Toll and those fellas being 22 or 23. And equally, the elder fellas just been, just been at the right stage, not too far gone. That they would, that they had it all together to win, and look, that's what you need when you're a county like Derry. These teams, and that's and that's part of it. These teams don't come along all the time. We're not going to be, we're never going to be Kerry or Dublin. You're never going to have a team that won six All Irelands in a row, or or eight out of ten, or dominate football. You're looking for the generational team, and and then when that comes along, you have to maximise it. And that, you know, that team of the nineties, they they did a lot. They they won a national league. They won a couple of national leagues. They won the All Ireland in '93. 
But obviously the second of Eamon Coleman in 94 ripped the heart out of them. There was a lot of rows. Players didn't play different things. Mm. Say 13-man Tyrone beat them in 95 and went on to an All-Ireland final that, you know, barring a ball picked off the ground the last minute, Tyrone could easily have won that All-Ireland. And in 95, you know, beat them again in 96. Derry recovered a bit to win another Ulster in 98 under Brian Mullins, but it was effectively gone by then. And, and then I suppose Eamon as well then came back in in 2000 and almost took a, a nearly a new team to an All-Ireland. Should have took them to an All-Ireland really yeah. in 2001 in the sense of they had Galway beaten in the in the semi-final and they let Galway off the hook and Galway went on won the final comfortably. Like So... And and that only added to the sense of my God, like we kept this man <laughs> mm, <laughs> through yeah. through the through the the, the mid nineties. What what would we have achieved? So that that does that feeds into that and the importance. Look, he was their manager. Whether whether he was the best manager in Ireland or the best manager in Derry was completely irrelevant because he was their manager and the players loved him mm. and they wanted him and they were so heartbroken when he when he was sacked that. You know, it basically upended the thing, and and who knows? No backdoor and different things. You don't know if Derry would ever won another Ireland, but they would have had a hell of a shot at it over the next two or three years. Like had they been there, and that's so. Was that the pity for for a team like that? Yeah, I was just about uh, just about over that two thousand and one All Ireland final defeat for uh, for me against Galway. But thanks for for mentioning that <laughs> as an aside. There, one final uh, question for you here. Um, how much would you like to see Tyrone and Derry coming out in the first round of the McKenna Cup in the new year? We know they get big crowds at those games anyway. They might have to move that one to Croke Park if that happens. Foster Council wanted to put a couple of balls in the fridge. and, uh, yeah. and <laughs> I, would would be, be, I would be absolutely doing that. Absolutely <laughs> do that. I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, it would go down a treat because it would be... Ah, look, it would be an enormous occasion. Like there was, There's been... Uh, in the early days of of Rory Gallagher's reign, I can remember a, a McKenna Cup game where people it was the first time in the first time in a long time people in Derry had got excited about a, a Derry team, and I remember there'd been about four thousand at a at a McKenna Cup game between Derry and Tyrone. That I suppose in its very peak when when Mickey was at his peak and Tyrone and Armagh were at their peak. I mean, there was famous, famously ten thousand at a McKenna Cup game between Tyrone and Armagh, which was just insane. Wow. For for a preseason game in January, like but um, but that that level of interest would absolutely be sparked. But I suppose I mean the championship draws are what a couple of weeks away now. Either the championship draws are less than three weeks, I think. And, yeah. And I suppose there'll be all eyes, not just on Darian Throne, but obviously the reintroduction of Jim McGuinness and and Donegal and and his rivalry with Mickey as well. Um, and and that side of it too. So there's. And and obviously Tyrone and Donegal's rivalry in recent years, there's there's like a mini Northwest uh tri series, if you like, of teams that are just waiting on that championship draw, and it feels almost inevitable that there will be a pairing of of two of them in an early game. You'll get a Tyrone Derry, a Derry Donegal, a, a, a Tyrone Donegal somewhere in the in the preliminary round of the quarterfinal. It almost feels like it almost feels inevitable, and it, then it would be great. Though I think, I think one of the big mistakes, and I know for scheduling and things we do, but with a tight season now, is probably a bit of wiggle room to relax that and, and make the championship draw closer to the championship. Yeah, I think we we take a bit of the spark out of 
those uh, those derbies by making people wait eight months for them, and they're I can, really I can't understand. Fatigued. I can never understand why it happens so early. Yeah, I'm never really well, sure what the reason for that is. Well, well, in fairness, you know, for all of the, I would have understood it because it was a, very much a fixture thing because the you know the games were being played in the order they were drawn. It allowed county boards to know exactly what weekends they were playing before they ever put a club fixture schedule in place and and built around that. But with a split season and the fact that there's so little you know, overlap in the early part, particularly the Ulster Championship. There's nobody playing club football. I just think that there's more potential and more wiggle room for holding those draws back a wee bit, doing them, if you could, at the towards the tail end of the league. Because also, I think, uh, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent now, but no, no, the, no. I think some of the first round games then become very, very constrained. They're some of the worst games that you get yeah. because... If it's Derry and Tyrone are pulled out in two weeks' time, Derry will spend six months just looking at Tyrone and everything they're doing is about Tyrone. And and when teams analyse each other to that degree, you find that they just cancel each other out largely and you don't get the games that you want. Whereas if they have two or three weeks' notice, it's less about the opposition and more about themselves and you get a freer game. And that's I've always had a theory that that was why much as as much as they didn't quite work the way they were intended to, some of the qualifier games were, and and even the latter round championship games were far better games because you didn't have that lead-in time where teams were spending months analysing the opposition. They had a week and they just, you know, you played the way you played then and, and whatever way it went, and that was it. So it, um, I think it would lend itself to a better championship if they did that, but... Yeah, that's it's an interesting point, actually. I hadn't thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. When you've that, when you've that long to, to plan ahead... Think ahead. That's that's inevitably what's going to happen. Well, look at Carr. It's been brilliant getting your view on uh, that whole situation during the week. And as if the Ulster Championship wasn't interesting enough, it is every year. But certainly, as you mentioned there, with McGuinness back, with Mickey Hart going to Derry, uh, it's certainly a few more uh, elements in the mix this year. But it'll be uh, fascinating to watch. Listen, thanks so much for for taking the call, and we we'll speak to you again soon. No bother. Thanks, David. LMFM Sunday Sport. With thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere you go. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.